you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. Like we're not going to notice that the price changed. But that's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. I told y'all and <laughs> left the story about going to the Tigers game on a little bit longer than I needed to. So obviously it's an update. I'll tell y'all, it went great. The tickets we had were amazing. And uh, we two different spots. They were, you know, they had the picture. And you never know, you know, is that picture going to be, you know, is it, are they zooming in? No, these pictures were great. And, and they're right on there. You click the picture of the section you're in. You kind of get an idea of where you're going to be sitting. It was great. I'm planning a day trip over to Houston to check out a game. And I've been looking for tickets. And they're coming in at five, six, ten dollars in great seats. So SeatGeek does it all for you. Uh, it's the only place I ever go to look for tickets for games and concerts anymore. SeatGeek has taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the prices fall. Even better, every SeatGeek ticket is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats and before you buy you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat which I mentioned earlier is a great great feature probably my favorite feature but best of all SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price unlike StubHub SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and there's never surprises with huge fees at checkout and guys I got a $20 rebate for you off of your first SeatGeek purchase all you got to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and add a promo code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Welcome to episode 354 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, June 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm going to the park tonight. Uh, what are you seeing? Oakland or Cueto, San Fran? San Fran. Cueto Kershaw. You know, two, two very different guys, I feel like. You know, we, we always talk about comps. I think, you know, there's no way you'd ever put, you know, a Kershaw or a Cueto comp on one or the other. So, you know, but... You know, I may ask the guys, I may ask the hitters about what's in common with them because there is, you know, there's a little bit of deception with both of them. Uh, they might say something about command, um, but otherwise, you know, righty change-up guy versus, uh, you know, lefty, you know, pinpoint command slider guy. So, um, I, I, it's going to be great. It's going to be a one nothing game, and it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Dodgers Giants is always you know pretty high 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 intensity. So yeah, I, I don't I don't expect this to be any different with Kershaw coming in starting the weekend off dec- decimates the Giants in their own ballpark. One twenty three ERA point seventy eight WHIP in one hundred seventeen innings at AT and T Park. That's unbelievable. Um, you, you mentioned Cueto. Cueto, no slouch himself. Obviously, uh, a cut below Kershaw, but probably doesn't get his due as an upper echelon pitcher, if we're being 100% honest about Johnny Cueto. So I agree with you. I could easily see a, a one nothing kind of game. I think the Vegas over-under line is at 5.5 runs, which is is extremely low. You don't usually see games below six and a half, seven, really. Yeah. Like, um, honestly, I might sit the over-under at like 2.5. So. <laughs> I, I'm, I wonder like if they ever consider, like, okay, our, our numbers spit out 5.5. We should really put it at three and a half or something. <laughs> like, that would just be such an insane over-under. But at the same time, not only – the crazy thing is, like with these two guys specifically, not all aces um, are necessarily 100% workhorses who are going to give you seven, eight, virtually every time out these two do that like that's one of the biggest things about Cueto he really goes deep into games and of course Kershaw best pitcher in the universe I think I think, I think Kershaw is amazing because he has stuff but also the intangibles because he also has deception and command mm-hmm. and uh and then Cueto is a little bit more on the you know you look at his at his stuff and you're like wow I don't know it's not very it's not very hard he's a righty uh, he doesn't get a ton of swinging strikes. It seems like kind of the changeup is his best pitch, and there's not really a ton else. Like 
what's going on with Cueto? Well, he controls the running game like a madman. He gets to strike two really well. And even if he doesn't get strike three all the time, at strike two, everything changes. So, um, uh, and then on top of that, he has that the wiggle and the, the hesitation. All the shimmies, yeah, all the little shimmies that he does. So I think he's a, pretty much an expert in upsetting timing. And, you know, for what it's worth, someone um, pointed out that, this, that John Lackey does the same thing. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, that's something that you could like watch for really, uh, when you're, when you're looking at, at players that are seemingly undervalued is how they, how they, how they mess with timing. But anyway, uh, Cueto Kershaw, then next week is, uh, the big fan graphs descends upon New York yes. situation. Uh, I almost cursed there by accident. Um, it would have been dope. I would have liked it. <laughs> Uh, you but, have some uh, big stuff coming up too. Not not just the the, the Fangraphs uh, summer trip here, but some individual Eno things going on. Oh yeah, well hopefully the the craft beer guide, uh, craft beer lovers guide to baseball should come out soon, or at least uh, have pre order ready because I need to have that in place uh, when I get on when I get on TV. So uh, I'm going to be on MLB Now on Thursday with Brian Kenny. I'm going to be in the sh- in the studio. That's going to be fun sitting on the desk. Uh, I'm sure I'll look bizarre and say something silly and stutter and uh, make a bunch of mistakes, but he'll give me a little time to pimp my book at the end. And um, uh, then we're going to have the meetup uh, June 18th, Rattle and Hum West in New York City. Uh, I hope that anybody who can make it there is going to be there. And uh, I look forward to seeing, I look forward to seeing you, man. It's going to be great. Uh, a little bit. I'm super excited. Um, getting back out to New York second time this year, really, really the second time in my life. I mentioned last time I, you know, I passed through, but the, the, these two trips are my real two trips to New York. Going to hang out with the crew again, looking like we're trying, we're trying to get a wiffle ball game going again, like we did in, in, uh, Arizona last year, which was awesome. That would be sweet. Just super excited. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we can record live. Maybe we can. Uh, drag that goofball Sestouli in, and he can use some big words and tell us some some fringe <laughs> players that we should be paying attention to. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe That'd we can. Be kind of fun. Maybe we can make some things happen. It should it should be a great time though. Uh, we're gonna be hanging out with some folks outside of the Fangraphs circle as well. Maybe maybe we get an interview with Emma Span or or Meg Rowley, uh, two two fine young ladies who will be joining us uh, at the at the Stanton Island game on Sunday. So it's gonna be a great trip. Big weekend coming up. Big week for Eno Saris, so very excited for you on that front, especially when you're going to be on MLB Now at the desk. It's going to be great. Uh, we've got some hitters to talk about, just a couple hitters, but then we're going to close the week the way we love to close the week, talking pitching. And we got a handful of guys really to, focused, uh, ready to dive in on some of these guys who could be game changers for you. I think all five of these guys are either already showing it or, or kind of on the cusp. And almost, almost regardless of your league type, these these five guys that we plan to talk about could be could be pitching game changers. But let's start with a couple hitters. Let's start with Matt Adams, who's a guy that I've admittedly been suspect on. I never really b- bought the initial power surge in 2013. Came back down to earth 2014. Last year only played 60 games and was hurt, so I'm willing to kind of give him a pass on that. Basically throw it out from the equation. Just don't know that we glean much from those 60 games. But I'm looking at 52 games this year, and it's looking a hell of a lot like 2013 from a power standpoint. Are there some discernible changes here? Is Matt Adams unlocking some more power, or is he just on a hot run? You know, I, I like it. I like what he's doing, um, you know, for a few different reasons. I guess the first the first reason is uh, changes that he's made uh, right now, and the, the first is that he's hitting fewer uh, fewer ground balls than he did last year. I like that. I also like that he's got a really even pull center oppo mix. I think that's going to be great for his batting average. Um, and he's maintained. He's done. He's he's not swinging as much as he used to. He's swinging less and reaching less than he used to. Uh, so that's led to a few more walks without affecting a strikeout rate. Sometimes you see these free swingers try to, you know, show patience and then their strikeout rate, you know, just goes through the roof because they get into two strike counts and they're all messed up at the plate. I mean, Pablo Sandoval's other guys have done this before, but um, Matt Adams has managed to be a little bit more selective without, uh, you know, getting into bad counts and striking out more. So we've got the potential here for a guy, at the very least, the projections even agree with this, a guy to have a good batting average, good power, 
um, and, and spray it around so it can't get uh, shifted. So BABIP should be should be plus. And then on top of that, there's the exit velocity piece, which is just that you know he's he's you know last year he had maybe one week where he was above 93, and this year in miles per hour on the exit velocity for Matt Adams, and this year um, he's spent um, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. One, two, three, four, five, six weeks above 93 miles an hour, Oof. and obviously uh, it's there's less season, so I think that's pretty impressive. Um, and uh, you know, I, what, I mean, he was he was always supposed to kind of have this kind of power, you know. And I know, and I agree with you that like, you know, after two or like a season and a half of just like, eh. You know, like 169 ISO and then 137 last year, and even 140 in his in his debut. Like we only had one season where he had the kind, and it was not even a full season. In 2013, we had a half season where he looked like a real first baseman. So, you know, I was kind of out on that. But uh, in my in my 11 teamer recently, I paid my my own version of uh, Would you get with this? Would you get with that? <laughs> and uh, I dropped Prince Fielder. What do you think of that? That's I dropped Prince Fielder from Matt Adams. Honestly. I, I admitted right out of the gate that I'm not a huge Matt Adams guy. I like the move. What are we seeing out of out of Prince Fielder that gives us any measure of confidence? If you can you make any sort of case, obviously you're not concerned about making the case because you cut him. But general question: Can anyone make a case for keeping Prince Fielder that doesn't center or or maybe only talk about track record? Right. That's that's right. all you've got right now, and it just looks. Uh, a bit like the 2014 season when when he when he kind of uh, languished for 42 games before the neck injury. I don't know if he is still hurt. You know, Chris Liss and, and Jeff Erickson were talking a lot about this on their serious show this past week about why aren't people asking Prince the questions, you know, what's going on? Uh, but then Craig Mish, also part of the network, came out and said, he's not talking. It doesn't matter. They can ask the questions. They can ask the tough questions. They can, they can phrase it nicely. It doesn't matter. Prince isn't talking about it. And so... You know? Yeah, I mean, he recently said something. I was watching the the cast of Rangers uh, Astros and one of their their. Oh, that must be nice. I live in Texas and I can't do that. Oh, I see. Well, anyway, uh, on their on field talent, I forget exactly who it was. Um, you know, was talking said that she'd talked to to him about it. And he said he's doing some stuff with the toe tap and, and messing around with that. But he does not talk very much anyway, and I don't think he really talks very much at all when he's not going well. So I wouldn't. that doesn't surprise me. Also, the, the comparison back to 2014, I think, is really apt because uh, the, only, the, oh, the other worst ground ball for fly ball mix of his career was 2014. So you have 2014, and then you have 2016 in terms of most grounders hit. Um, yeah, and that's not what you want out of your, your power hitter. And also in terms of softest, uh, softest contact, it's, uh, it's also, you know, uh, up there, you know, the, those two seasons are actually, you know, those two seasons are his worst for hard contact of his career. That so, doesn't surprise me. And, and then, then you look at the exit velocity and launch angle and it's, it's his weighted on base average right now is like 250 and his expected weighted on base average is like 280. So in terms of launch angle and exit velocity. So, yeah, I think you're just, you're just hoping that he either finds health or he finds his old self. And, you know, we're now looking at, if you sort of look at the last three years as a, as a grouping, uh, as a guy who's got like a 120 ISO and might hit 18 homers uh, with like a 270 average. So I thought at the very least Matt Adams can do that. So even if, if Fielder has a good month or something, Matt Adams should should pace him the rest of the way. And um, you know, honestly, it wasn't too hard of a decision. I hope there's some people out there who can make this decision, but I do think that there's enough people who look at Matt Adams and remember all those other years and think, nah, this is this is just a hot a hot streak. But I, I see enough change there where I believe in it. Well, let me hit you with a couple other names. If 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 the consideration isn't necessarily Prince Fielder, but some of these other guys. What about Travis Shaw? Yeah, you know, I talked to him recently and, you know, I said, you know, is there something about your swing uh, that makes your home home away split so so drastic? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, left center is is where my power alley is, my personal power alley. And that's that's the that's the, the green monster. So it's turning, you know, some of my hits into doubles, some of my, you know, maybe outs into doubles. And I say, well, you consider, you know, changing that on the road when you go, 
when you go into parks where those are outs. I mean, like if you if you hit left center here in AT and T Park where we are today, you know it's going to be an out. And he's like, yeah, but you know I can't change what got me here, and um, so I, I think uh, I think he's settling in. I think he's settling in as like a 250, 260 guy with 18 homers. I mean, it's it's obviously in the conversation, and, and in fact, if it was, would you uh, stick with Fielder or would you go with that and Shaw? Uh, I think Shaw is shown uh, like it would be a harder decision. I mean, Matt Adams, I made the decision. I didn't. I wasn't looking at Shaw. What but about Adams v. Shaw then? Well, I still take I take Adams okay. as a three. But I think I would put Shaw above Fielder. I mean, that's how bad I think Fielder is looking right now. Let's go to another name guy then, and actually stick on on Travis Shaw's team. Another name guy that you can't really make a great case. I don't think outside of track record, Hanley Ramirez. He looks a lot like Composite 2015, which had that great month of August, or excuse me, of April. But then from May on, after he ran into the wall, uh, Handler Ramirez was 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 really bad, and and so you know languishing around a 719 OPS, which is 92 OPS plus. He had a 90 last year, only four homers, four steals, which is nice, you know, for, from from Hanley at age 32. But which one are you picking there between Adams and and Hanley? Mm. Uh, oh, between Adams and Hanley. Still Adams? I think I'm in the bucket for Adams, but Adams versus Shaw and Fielder is very interesting. Hanley versus Shaw and Fielder, yes. Hanley versus Shaw and Fielder, because Hanley is 32 now, uh, you know, not as bad a body as Fielder, who, you know, instead of 32, we should probably call him 34. Um, and I'm not just making a, a, a fat joke there. I'm just talking about aging curves and how... Um, you know, heavier players are on the DL more often mm-hmm. uh, and age faster than, 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 than lighter players. And in fact, that's a, something that's true for the entire population. So I'm not, I'm not trying to be uh, light and funny about it. I'm not trying to be snarky about it. I'm saying it's better to be skinnier. It's better for your health outcomes yes. in real life. It's better for playing. Uh, it's better for your, your life expectancy. It's better for... Uh, injuries on the baseball field is better for your play. So uh, Hanley's body is actually uh, not not so great. I mean, he's uh, he's kind of cut, but he's he's, he's, wi- of, he's widening up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's a little bit bigger. Um, and uh, if you look at his exit velocity, he just really hasn't even hit peaks that he hit last year. So maybe it's coming. Um, but you know, worst swing strike rate of his career, worst strikeout rate of his career. Um, you know, most grounders of his career. Uh, and now he's become this, like, oppo hitter. And, and remember what I brought him up? When did I bring him up? I brought him up last week because he was the most, like, Jerickson Profar. That's right. Uh, which is really interesting because it not only brings Profar up, but it brings Hanley down, you know. Because Hanley used to be a guy who could pull for power, and uh, and he would pull for power and spray a little bit for hits. Uh, and then steal a bunch of bases, but you know if he's not pulling for power like he used to, then we've got to we've got to you know move all those power projections down. And so I think that the best projection for him might be the the sour dour face zips, the the mean old zips, uh, <laughs> those biased zips. Well, I'm not saying it's biased. No, I, I, I was I making fun of people who say everything's biased <laughs> if it goes against their team or guy. No, Zips is just in general, like, just uh, not nice. <laughs> it, it presents that cold reality. Yeah. And so 275, uh, the 431 slugging, eight homers, I think the seven stone bases, maybe. I mean, he's stealing more. So they you end up the season with a 275 average, 12 homers, and 11 stone bases. I mean, that's, it's at, especially at first, I mean, this year he can play in the outfield. That's, um, I mean, I guess that's Gerardo Parra-ish, mm-hmm. but probably fewer runs in RBI because, you know, Hanley's in and out of the lineup and for whatever reason is not racking those up. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just not that special. So, I mean, that, that, there's an if, interesting... If what's that? First base. If you're talking about first base. Exactly. Um, I don't think I'd take Fielder over him. I think Fielder's still at the very bottom of this list, um, but I might take everyone else over Hanley. I mean... Shaw's going to probably have more power. Yeah, I thought Hanley was going to come back a bit this year, and, and it has not played out like, like that at all. Um, 
And so, you know, he's not the end of the world. You didn't pay a whole lot for him. So the four homers, four stolen bases, whatever, you're kind of meandering along. But with that big offense, I expected some more, and it hasn't been there. Let's let's jump ship, or, or let's let's shift to really the other end of the spectrum here. We're talking a lot of veteran guys at first base. Let's talk about a young middle infielder, Tim Anderson. Um, he was a White Sox farmhand who was the key piece in the James Shields deal. Um, was this a good deal for for the for the Padres? Did they get something back worthwhile here? Oh, uh, who are you talking? About? Uh, Tim Anderson. Did they not trade him? No, no, no. Oh, I'm thinking Eric Johnson. How did I mix up those two? Those two names. Yeah, no. Those are two vast. That's, that's why you confuse me. Eric Johnson. Sorry. I, I don't think there's much with no, Eric no, no. Johnson. You're right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dipshit. Uh, Tim Anderson. Anderson yeah. and Johnson for some Anderson, reason were, were equals up. to me. Yes, he was called up and. Uh, He's their best prospect. And, and they also uh, let Jimmy Rollins go. I mean, they, they, they DFA'd him. So it's not like, you know, oh, we'll mix and match. It seems like, you know, here we go. Uh, Tim Anderson's going to get the job. And to, to some extent, it's sort of a Hail Mary on the season because they've been kind of, you know, losing spot in the, in the, in the, um, They've been kind of falling behind in the in the race for first there. Dude, they've been sinking like a rock, and anyone who didn't buy in on their early run is looking is looking correct as can be. Yeah. yeah, well, we'll see. And I and I don't actually, I you know, I got a lot of questions right off the bat. You know, Tim Anderson or and John Zagura. I was like, no, man. I think I think uh, I wouldn't drop. Like, yes, Nick Ahmed, I'd drop, but like. I wouldn't drop most established shortstops for Tim Anderson right now. I mean, the guy, he might have a good hit tool. That that would save him, but it's a lot to, to bet on because he doesn't really have great power. And, yes, he does have great speed, but we've talked about whether or not a guy like him is going to come up and just start stealing bases. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and then you're, there's no soft landing when it comes to walk rate or uh, and even defense, you know, I don't think there's necessarily questions about it, but like, I don't think he's coming up with Lindor glove where people can say, well, if it, you know, at very least he'll be an ace defensively and uh, we'll let the bat come along. I think um, he needs to kind of be able to do a lot of different things. And I'm not sure he's going to do it right off the bat. I mean, the guy walked 3% of the time and stuck out 3, 23% of the time in AAA. So. You know that could easily balloon. The strikeout rate could balloon. There's no walk rate there. There's no. There's not the same sort of natural power that I think will be there right away. So we could have a guy hitting 230, uh, striking out a quarter of the time, no walks, and then everyone's going to be watching his defense like a hawk. You know. So not special. Uh, where 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 are we picking up Tim Anderson? You know, I. I I don't want to say not special because if you look back at Kylie's, uh, you know, things, he's got a possible 50 tool on his hit in the future, uh, 45 on game power, 50 on raw power, 65 speed. That's a real nice number out of that. There could be a plus hit tool in there. So if there is a plus hit tool in there, there are plenty of shortstops that have made it work with a. 20% strikeout rate and a 5% walk rate and a plus hit tool. Those are the kind of guys who can hit 300 with a 320 on base percentage um, and and steal you know 35 bases. I mean uh, Eric Ibar I think uh, comes to mind when I when I talk like that. I'm gonna make sure I'm not an idiot. But um, <laughs> well at least you but, at least you didn't mix him up for a, a sixth starter type who was traded for well, the Shields. Um, yeah. <laughs> what Eric Ibar, I guess, like didn't strike out that much. Um, but I, I think if you really do have a plus hit tool, you start whittling down that strikeout rate. So, sure. you know, Eric Ibar was a guy who walked four percent of the time, struck out, you know, fourteen percent of the time, twelve percent of the time, um, and basically, I mean, his what did I just say? He, he hits two seventy five, three twelve for his career without any power. So that's. Uh, that's I you know it's I think that's a, a, that would be a great outcome. I mean the White Sox if they got Eric Ibar for the for his, you know the middle of meat of his career they'd be super happy about that. So yeah I I, I think I agree with that. So but like fantasy players would be kind of like Eric Ibar really hmm. cool. Uh, yeah. Those <laughs> in those Ibar. in need of speed. Right. What's the lowest league format if you're starved for speed? Would you pick up Tim Anderson in a twelve teamer? No. Okay. Got to be 15-team or, or got to be AL only? 
I think in a 12-teamer, there's guys out there, man. I, I'm in a 12-teamer, Billy Butler. I mean, Billy Hamilton just got dropped. I'm not Billy Butler. Sorry. That's the slowest guy I could have. That's the, <laughs> that's the biggest mistake I could have made. He's the slowest human being We're talking there. speed. What about oh, Billy Butler? Billy, Billy Butler. Burns. <laughs> that's hilarious. We've made some comical mistakes. Yeah, all right. Hey, Friday. Uh, so Billy Bur- I've seen Billy Burns on waiver wires. I've seen um, Billy Hamilton on waiver wires. So... You know, there's uh, there's there's guys out there that I would uh, that are just much more trustworthy. I think I'd have to go past 15, maybe 15, 18 team league for sure. I mean, you, you pick up guys with any upside in those leagues. 15 uh, NFBC, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't spend a lot of uh, of FAAB on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't. I, I and so I probably wouldn't get them. But if I needed some speed, maybe I'd up it to like 11% FAAB where. You know, maybe I'm in the mix for it, you know, but if I do get him, he doesn't, he's not one of my, you know, 30, he's not one of my five pickups for the year. You know, one of my 10 pickups for the year, that's okay. Okay. I think it could, could work out. I mean, you're, you're talking in a 15 team league like NFBC with deep rosters, and especially NFBC where you're, you like fourth place doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you, you sometimes you pick up a guy like Tim Anderson, you say, just, just just be on fire. Just, just be on fire. Just be awesome. Just be awesome. And it's all uh, I need, dude. Just if you could just be awesome. Just the MI with like twenty five steals the rest of the way. If you can do that for me, I'll win this thing. Well, hopefully that happens for somebody who picks him up and just says, Hey, just be awesome. You know who is being awesome? Sick transition. Steven Wright. <laughs> You like that? And you said you're right. like a transition air horn. <laughs> you say you're writing about him. Very interesting guy. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly fascinated by him because uh, every passing start, it's just like, wow, this, this keeps going. This keeps, this keeps uh, holding up as really good. I don't think we've talked about him for quite a while on this show. Uh, according to his his uh, player page, episode 341 was the last one. This is episode 354. So it's been a while. He's stayed really good. 229 ERA, 113 whip, 21% strikeouts, about 7.7. Walks are high. They're going to be with, with a guy like this, with a knuckleballer. 11% swinging strike rate is definitely nice. I mean, how do you even read a statistical profile on a knuckleballer, though? Because you can't apply all the same maxims to him that, that you are for, for quote unquote normal pitches pitchers. What, how do you approach somebody like this? Uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, people were asking like where he should be in rankings and stuff. And I, and, and if I'd missed him and if I, if I'd missed on him, um, and I do like that swing strike rate. And I'm not saying that I never trust a knuckler, but I never trust enough. I mean, it's like I, I I couldn't push him past like 60 or 70. He'd still be my worst pitcher. I'd still be really nervous about him. I'd mm-hmm. still he'd still be almost on the chopping block anytime he gave up six. But you know, I I I and it seems like when the knuckler's not going, they give up everything. No, they 100% do. No matter what, no matter how well Wright or or Dickey or whomever it is from from the past is pitching. They are uh, a, a step away from a six earned run outing, and through no fault of their own. And it's not the same as with other pitchers that a six run outing. Oh my God, something could be very wrong, and they could go on a cold spell. It could just be that outing where the knuckleballer wasn't working, or one of the other fifty-two variables that they need to go well wasn't uh, set up for them, and then they can be back on track the very next start. That's what makes knuckleballers so dangerous. That's why they're so difficult to trust. Yeah, and and, uh, and and it has to do with the fact that they throw that one pitch eighty five percent of the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, there's nothing else in the there's nothing else to go to. <laughs> it's like I think a lot of these guys talk about. There's a kind of a saying among pitchers: different day, different arm. And that means like you get up on the mound and you figure out what's working and what's not. And some days you just can't put a one type of pitch in a, in one place, or you can't get that right break or whatever. And that's why it's great to have five pitches or whatever. And that's why starters age differently than relievers. Starters have four or five pitches. Relievers have one or, you know, one or two. So when that one of them starts to go, they're done. Um, so, you know, I think that that's why they're like, it's almost like a conventional reason that these unconventional pitchers are 
not so good. It's because they have one pitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's no, there's nothing else to do. And I did talk to him about what he's doing differently this year. And the nice, the, the thing that would make you feel better is that he thinks he basically has more than one pitch in that um, he's trying to vary the speeds on his knuckler more. That was the big takeaway for me in our conversation. And I didn't have time to do a heat map uh, because those are hard. But what I did do was just pull up a, a sort of a, a scatter graph of the velocities on his knucklers by start. And I can tell just by looking at this right now, he's thrown more fastball. He's thrown more knucklers between 79 and 80 this year than he ever has before. And he's thrown more knucklers between 70 and 71 this year than he ever has before. So already he stretched the top and bottom end of his knuckler you know, groupings uh, further than he ever has. So I think that is the key. I mean, that, that is the key because now what, he's, now what you're talking about is he has, you know, a knuckle fastball, you know, a knuckle sinker and a knuckle change, basically. I mean, I'm not saying in terms of movement and you know what I'm saying? I'm saying more in terms of velocity. He has three sort of separate ways he can throw the thing. And he said the harder one, you know, doesn't, doesn't move as much, but, you know, they have less time to react and, you know, he can place it a little bit better. So it's a little bit better for, for getting a called strike. And then the other two are better for movement. So um, I think that's the kind of thing that made Dickie great. You know, when Dickie was great, what happened was he discovered the 80 mile an hour knuckler. Exactly. It was that it was the power knuckler that was the getting all the write ups and, and what, what was was really the key factor um, as, as we saw him run his way to a to a Cy Young. I don't think Stephen Wright's headed toward a Cy Young, but he's headed toward a fantastic season, it seems. How much? Yeah, you, know, you like look at Sierra though, at 4:45. That's Sierra uses fastball velocity um, and strikeout rate uh, to like strikeout rate determines a little bit of your strand rate, your projected strand rate, and, and your projected BABIP and stuff like that. Um, so Sierra's a really interesting. It's interesting to see that 4:45 number. Uh, FIP likes him because he's not giving up homers, but uh, you know, and I and I couldn't find you know as an aside. A lot of my writing career on the other side, on the non-fantasy side, is actually due to R.A. Dickey. And because R.A. Dickey at one point said, you can look me up on fan graphs, I used that to get credentials to interview him. Oh, wow. And, uh, he, and he told me all about that hard knuckler. So, um, you know, I've, uh, I have a lot to, to, uh, that I owe R.A. Dickey and to knucklers, so I love him. Um, but, uh, and I do think that Stephen Wright's thing there, and I could not find a propensity for home runs by, in, in the knuckleball list I was using. It wasn't any worse than usual. Knuckleballers average around one homer per nine, um, and, uh, and the, and the population averages around one homer per nine. Okay. However, Stephen Wright has a 0.4 homers per nine right now. So, you know, when you look at the projections, pushing him back up to one, that part, I believe if I think that he's going to do better in the projections, which are iffy 4.3 ERA 1.35 whip the reason that is I think he could strike out more batters with an 11% whiff rate so you know I think maybe he could strike out more guys and give up more homers he could have slightly better command there's some things that can move in certain directions to make it better than his projections but just look at those projections from a sober look at it if if like a 4 ERA guy is useful in your league uh, then then I think you should pick him up if you know, if you have a real stomach for it, you know, maybe in 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 more in like fifteen team leagues. But I, I I can't actually push him above seventy five as much as I like what he's telling me about what he's doing with this knuckleball. Let's shift over to Adam Wainwright because uh, this was a guy who is supposed to be much higher than than seventy five, the uh, seventy fifth overall starting pitcher. He hasn't pitched like it much this year. He's totaling a 521 ERA through his 13 starts with a 134 whip. That's not good. But we've seen better days recently. He jumped up at after getting thrashed by the Angels of all teams, which uh, they've actually been okay against against righties this year. They don't strike out. They have like a 102 to 105 kind of vacillates in between that for their WRC plus. So maybe that's not as bad as as it sounds. Anytime you got Trout, you can be dangerous. But they ripped him up. 11 hits, six earned. Since then, though, we've seen a little bit uh, some solid work out of Adam Wainwright. Five starts with a 303 ERA. Uh, they've all been pretty good. Outside of six. 
and two-thirds scoreless against Colorado. They've all kind of had like one bad inning for the runs that he's given up. Uh, it was a bad first inning just yesterday, actually, the two runs that he gave up, but then really settled in. Six innings, two runs, nine strikeouts, just one, uh, one walk. So we're seeing some better work out of Wainwright. Is there reason for hope? Yeah, actually, you know, I got a uh, I got a, a DM from um, I got a DM from uh, Brandon Kylie, who is uh, the producer for the Kevin Wheeler Show on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, and he's had me on he's had me on the show a couple times there, and uh, he was asking, you know, could it be this thing that I saw? He has uh, he has actually stopped throwing his sinker. In in uh, in uh, and and started going with the four seamer instead, and uh, you know I was like, hey man, that's that's legit. That's a that's a really good thing that you spotted there because uh, there was a while back in his career where he went from the four seamer to the sinker, and that that was uh, good for his career. But now, if you look at the outcomes on his sinker this year, he's getting two percent whiffs on the sinker, and he's not even getting a fifty percent ground ball rate. Oh wow. So, it's a bad pitch right now. Yeah. If you're not getting, if you're not getting, and like, you got to uh, at least be getting the ground balls. It, it, it has a lower homer rate than the four seamer, but at some point you got to say, well, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and just, uh, and, and go for the whiffs at least. And because the four seamer is getting 8.5% whiffs this year. And in fact, the ground ball rate is about the same. So, uh, you might as well go for that. And I, so I, I think that, um, it is funny to look over the course of his career and, and see um, that he's kind of going back to uh, something he's tried before in the past. Um, but, uh, you know, the sinker's been good for him, and uh, you, you, but you always have to evolve as a pitcher. You know, you got to keep you got to keep moving. And uh, this- especially as you get older, I mean, the, the game's going to keep changing. Father time going to keep messing with you. you. Evolve or get eaten. Yeah, so uh, it's it's hard for me because I don't like I don't have a number like to point to right now, and I know that Adam Rainwright brings to the table excellent command. Um, so he's gonna have these he's gonna have things that aren't necessarily really easy to see in the numbers that are gonna go in his favor. Um, and I know that he's managed to, you know, strike out, you know, seven, eight per nine, even with really mediocre whiff, whiff rates in the past. So I know that he doesn't really depend on the whiff as much as other guys. But at the same time, like, I just find his stuff softer. And um, I, I just don't have super confidence. Now, his projections, uh, you know, like a three, three, nine, three, six, three from Steamer. That's something. That's something I could. I guess I could buy. It's not. It's not vintage Wainwright. It's. Uh, it's like pre-injury Wainwright, or, um, or you know, hey, thirty-four year, thirty-five year old Wainwright. So, uh, I, basically, what I'm saying is, yes, this is probably a good move because he's going to get a few more whiffs, a few more strikeouts. Uh, it won't affect his ground ball rate that much, but it's not enough of a move where I say, oh yeah, we got like a a two eight ERA coming the rest of the way. So would you be selling uh, right now on Adam Wainwright in the midst of, of a decent streak? It, it might be tough though. Cause he still has that five twenty one, and, and, and that's still going to pop up when anybody's on there. Yeah, you know people are increasingly safer uh, and, and are, are clued in. If I could get someone to buy the zips projection, which in this case is actually sort of rosy three thirty nine ERA 1.19. Oh yeah. I would take that. I have him in two leagues. I would, punch a puppy in the neck for that no, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't do that that's mean that's terrible no that's but terrible. Uh, so if I could sell at that um I, I think he's gonna be much closer to the three six three one two two and in fact I think it might be more like three seven one two five uh, which is like three seven one two five is more like a almost like a four five in today's game uh in most leagues yeah it's just, it's just not what it used to be we got to get out of that mindset so basically like if i could sell him as a two uh then i would do it hell if i could sell him as a three i might yeah problem is 
two leagues I have him, desperately need pitching. Probably because of his 521 ERA is probably why. It is, it is hard to like to it is hard to go uh, sell pitching. Like, here, I'll give you Wainwright. You give me pitching. Yeah, exactly. Because then they're looking at your team like, you need <laughs> pitching, Spore. What do you what do you do? I'm like, I just don't want Wainwright. Come on, take him, please. I swear it's not the, the can of snakes that when you open it up, it's going <laughs> to pop up in your face. I swear it's not that. Okay, so we're a little bit tepid there. Not fully in on the uh, on, on the hot streak, but a discernible change getting away from that bad sinker uh, might might be a driving force here, and we could maybe see Wainwright at least stay somewhat stable. Honestly, at this point with a 521 on on his bottom line, I would take that 3.7 that you're talking about, even though, again, it's not nearly as good uh, as it used to be in baseball. I just... I just can't keep getting bombed out by him or I stand no chance. And it's in that league I told you about that is it's called the steak league and the bottom half of the league buys a steak dinner, an extravagant steak dinner where they purposely, you know, they go all out, they bring their appetites and they're going to make it painful for that bottom half of the league to pay for. I don't want to be in the bottom half. I can't really make it painful. I'm not a huge eater. I'm sure. If anyone's seen me, they w- would not be surprised by that. But I just don't want to be having it painful, uh, have the pain put on me. So I need to move up, and that's why I need Adam Wainwright to keep it going. I need, I need, you, I need you to stay hot, buddy. Because I did get James Paxton and Will Harris, two guys I'd message you about uh, my bids. I got them. I'm pretty psyched. So yeah, you bet. about James Paxton, but I, yeah, I'm in on that. I think that's he's one of the better pickups right now. Where you better be you know, right on him, or else I'm blaming this squarely on you. None of, none of my decisions matter anymore. Just this one decision that you helped me make, it's all on you. <laughs> just just so you know, no, I'm kidding. Um, I wish this guy would have been available, or when he was, I wish I would have uh, given him more attention. Although I actually think he was auctioned, if I'm being honest, because this is a very savvy league and it's 17 teams. I don't think Michael Fulmer, even as somebody who did not start the season in the majors. There, there was a handful of maybe 20 to 25 speculations on prospects at the end of that auction, and i got to imagine that Fulmer was part of it, so he probably wasn't even available in that league. He's been great, you know, and we discussed him on, on May 22nd. Since then, he has 21 and a third scoreless innings, so I felt like we kind of had to go back to the well and, 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 and discuss him again. In fact, that 522 episode might have been one with with uh, Jason, it was it was a Sunday because he had just beaten uh, Jason's Rays, and so I'm not even sure that you and I have necessarily spoken about him. Where are you on Michael Fulmer? How real is this? Is he this year's, you know, God? I shouldn't even say this because he's not as good, but is he this year's Thor in terms of being the high impact rookie arm? That's the that's uh, the comp is very loose. I'm only saying it in the fantasy terms of being the high impact rookie arm. Yeah, I have no idea. I, 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 the projections are befuddling to me. I know he's given up some homers in the minors, but I, uh, when I watch him, I'm, I'm, I'm all bought in. And so I'm gonna take the over the under. The, the I'm gonna take. I'm gonna say he's the gonna better. be way better. I'm gonna take the better. I'm gonna take the better on his projections, and, uh, and I mean when I look at his. Uh, movements in pitch FX and then also watch him, it all lines up. He's great stuff. Now, yes. you know, I guess there's some question if the, the delivery is violent. He's had injury history and, you know, the delivery does look kind of crazy and violent. But the, I, we're talking about redraft. We're talking about now. And mostly with pitchers, like we t- say, we're talking about now anyway. And this guy has a whopping eight inches, almost nine inches of drop between his four seam and his change. And the change is supposed to be his worst pitch. We've got a guy who has 10 mile an hour difference between his four seam and his change did and has you, eight inches drop. Did you catch him on MLB Network this morning? No, I did not. He and Nick Castellanos were, were in studio for uh, MLB Central and, and Vasquez and kind of asked him, you know, what's, what's, what's going on here? What's really changed? And he highlighted the change up. Uh, Fulmer did. He said, you know, I started throwing it a lot in that very same Tampa Bay game that uh, was when yes. Jason and I talked about him. And it clicked for him. He said he'd thrown like five the previous game. He threw about 20 in that game. That was his number. I didn't uh, fact check it. But he said he threw a whole bunch in that game, and he's felt confident in it since. 
And so I think that that's spurring the change here. The fastball and slider were always there, but that's why with only two pitches, he was only getting through four or five innings. Like he could good, he could put three, four innings of, of really good work together. But then once that second time through really started to get into the meat of the order, it became problematic. And so we saw a lot of five inning outings that fell apart at the end until that Tampa Bay outing. And I, I think it is, it is as easy as the emergence of the changeup for Michael Fulmer. Yeah, and it's actually a fundamental change to to believe in this because the four seamer the change pairs better with the four seamer uh, in terms of getting the most drop versus the four seamer in terms of spin, um, you know, in terms of what it looks like. So, you know, the change and the four seamer go well together, and what you can see is he, the changeup went from six nine six four to twenty nine fifteen seventeen ten. So he definitely had a big change there. And the four-seamer went from 20, 23, 29, 30 to 48, 53, 23, 39. So you can see what happens is you have to you have to sort of change the way you pitch a little bit in terms of your fastball mix too. However, that just means to me that he's that he's a different pitcher. I mean, that's something we're always looking for. Is he a different pitcher? Mm. James Paxton came up, changed his mindset, changed his arm slot, changed his pitching mix. He's a different person. Michael Fulmer believes in his changeup now people ask me when do you when do you think a guy when do you like think a guy really believes in a pitch and i think it's 10 percent. and he and he went from you know five six percent to to over ten percent and um so i i think he believes in that changeup. it has nasty movement nasty velocity differential pairs that with a, a slide that everyone calls plus plus uh plus velocity i i don't really see there's no reason here and it's not like he's um really minus command guy. So I, I, I don't think, um, you know, he needs to give up, you know, 1.26 homers per nine, like Zip says. Um, and, you know, I don't think he needs to only strike out eight per nine, like Steamer says. So oh, I'll I give yeah, I think the strikeouts could be much higher. With the stuff that he's got right now and that changeup to really get, get them off the fastball and the power slider, that's huge for Fulmer. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, where did I put him? I'll have to figure out where I put him. It probably wasn't high enough. I'm going to see how high I can push him in my rankings here. I had him at six. Six? Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's exactly me, the reaction that's I wanted, so, by the way. That's so, that's so gullible. I, yeah, I had him over that sale, idiot. Uh, Scherzer's a loser. <laughs> Cueto's a clown. Fernandez is not even that good. So, yeah, I had to get Fulmer up there, man. Oh, God. No, uh, well, I didn't have ranked at all, so it's hard to push a guy so hard. But I have him at 68. Okay. That's way too low. I I would push him. Let's see here. Oh, would you get with this, or yes. would you get with Nate Carnes? Ah, that's so funny that you mentioned that because my initial run, he was right by Nate Carnes, and then he had another good start, and I moved Fulmer up. So I've got Fulmer substantially now uh, ahead of Carnes. I got Fulmer lingering in the late 40s, right around that 50 mark, and I got Carnes at 61. I initially put Fulmer at 60 because I really wanted to temper myself and and you know don't be a, don't be a Detroit homer, don't be a Detroit homer. I, I, every time I sit down to watch him every fifth day, though, I'm like this guy is really good. I don't think I'm being a home. I'm pumping him up. That middle tier is so weak. You know, we just lost a big one from that middle tier. Rich Hill goes down with the, gr the groin injury, ends up being a DL stint. Wow, we're huge surprise that he got hurt. The talent's there, but he got hurt. That sucks. So, I, I Fulmer is is up there. I got him at 47 right now. That's where I have Dallas Keuchel. I think I would take him over Dallas Keuchel. What about, uh, you know, the, this another guy, high pedigree, pitching extremely well. Pitched just against these Tigers. I don't think it was Fulmer start. I think it was Verlander's. But Aaron Sanchez, what do you got between those two? Hmm. Actually, I have Aaron Sanchez below uh, Dallas Keuchel. So um, I guess I'm. I'm here's an on Julio Terran. Oh, you're making me choose, man. That's my dude. Uh, I would take Fulmer. I think at this point, if for no other reason, then you know wins still count in this game. And I understand that how difficult that they are. To project, you know, that was the, the a big crux of the argument that, that Liss and I were having um, is that they're, they're I, I, he says that they're, you know, pretty firm to project. I think they're, they're pretty random, 
But at the same time, you can still set yourself up for better situations. There's no way Detroit isn't a better situation than Atlanta. So. Also, in terms of like pitching mix, dominance, like just watching, I think I would – like if you were just to ask me, you know, fantasy aside, which pitcher would you rather have? I would rather have Fulmer. I, th- I think that that's, that's right. Honestly – think sometimes you know we're going to miss out we being kind of a general people will miss out on these these young guys because they don't have the track record that's when you got to sit down and watch right because you just said when you're watching Fulmer you're seeing something special like you're seeing a, a high quality pitcher who deserves to be ranked well beyond his means of of what 47 and two-thirds innings would normally garner he's pitching that well right now so yeah, yeah but- I think I might push him all the way to like 45 or something 44 you know, Lance McCullers, I think, is nasty, nasty. Yes. Um, and maybe with the shoulder questions and the, and the walk rate, you can you can push him past that. But then you start getting into, like, Jeff Samarja. I got McCullers um, just above Fulmer. I really like McCullers. That's another one that when you watch him and you realize, okay, he's got five minutes in the majors, but when he's on, he's filthy. I know that walk rate's through yeah. the roof right now, but I think he's going to be fine. And uh, Jeff Samarja... Like once you get up to like Jeff Samarja, Felix Hernandez, uh, Jordan Zimmerman territory, they're, they're just uh, there's a little bit less risk there. Uh, that's in the 30s. I think I don't think I could push them all the way into 30s just because you know those are guys a little bit more established. I think and absolutely. Fulmer, you know, injury. Uh, maybe another adjustment needs to happen. Maybe there's an innings limit. We don't know some of that stuff. So I, you know. I missed it by 25 spots in the rankings. I'm good at my job. <laughs> Fulmer threw 125 innings last year, so he shouldn't be too tightly, uh, you know, uh, held back. But what do you think? Like 160, 70? Is that is that fair? Well, you know, they're going to – I mean, it depends on how they are in the standings a little That's bit. That's true. That's a good uh, point. He's got 63 right now. So um, – I think he might be able to manage another hundred. That's that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Another hundred for Michael Fulmer. If he Fulmer. manage another hundred, that means he's basically like a two week DL stint from from finishing the season. Or some massaging around the All Star break. Yeah, and some uh, skip fifth starts. And... Yep, especially if they are performing well in the standings and they can afford to do it. They might not be though. The Tigers starting pitching has been an issue. He's been he's been a boon for them. He's been a big deal with Verlander and and Zimmerman actually giving them some some uh, workable starting pitching after those two because right now it's just been Verlander Zimmerman until Fulmer stepped on the scene. Let's stay in that division and talk about Danny Duffy because um He's been performing quite a bit lately, pretty darn well since rejoining the rotation. A skeptical initially, the first two starts that were, were kind of building back his pitch count, and he looked good. And I was like, man, I've 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 stepped on this rake about 52 times. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, it was against Atlanta and the White Sox, and the White Sox were already in the midst of their their late May swoon. So I say, you know what, I don't. No, no, I want to see more. Then he gets ripped by the White Sox five days later, and I, I didn't go confirmation bias and say, oh, I told you, I just said, you know, this is why I'm waiting. Two starts so far this month, he's looked good again. Two quality starts, six innings, three runs against Tampa Bay, six and a third, two runs at Baltimore, which is nice. They were both solo homers, but nine strikeouts. I don't know that the stuff has necessarily been a question for peak Danny Duffy. I just feel like he shows it such infrequent spurts. That's what would always bother me, even when he was good. Like that 2014 season with the 253 ERA and 111 whip, it wasn't overly dominant. He was just trying to like, he was just getting by. It seemed like everything was still a struggle to kind of get get through. Now he was succeeding, but he was expending so much energy to get it done. This looks a little bit more free and easy, a lot more dominant for Danny Duffy. Are you seeing any changes that we should bet on so that I can uh, I, I, I can jump back in here? Well, I mean, obviously it's the best velocity of his career. The question, though, is still, like, if he can really hold on to that. Because, uh, you know, he was, a, he was a reliever, and that's when, when he was a reliever early this season, he was hitting 98s. Um, and now it is down a little bit, but he's kept a lot of it, and it's still he's still kept the best velocity of his career. Right now he's averaging over 95, almost 96. So uh, and I'm saying that right now as in as a starter. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the best of his career, um, and that's got to be factored into any anything that we talk about. 
Uh, and it's and, and it's still a step back from when he was at, where he was as a reliever. So that's interesting. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I think of his of his breaking ball as a curve, but um, uh, Brooks has it as a slider. Uh, that's oh, I, there. yeah. I mean, you're right that it isn't really a huge deal. But I also thought of it that way too. I thought I thought he had a curve. Um, but uh, you know, he, his changeup's not very good, and you know. In the past, it's been really bad. In the past, the reason I have not liked him is that his none of his pitches has ever, before this year, none of his pitches had ever rated as above average in terms of um, whiffs or grounders. So that I thought that was like a pretty, that, that's something that stuck in my head. I was like, well, he does, even though he gets good, he has, looks good, he doesn't get good results on those pitches. And so that was easy enough for me to sort of put him away forever. But... Um, you know, you have to reanalyze guys. You know, you have to kind of look at them again through fresh eyes. And he's got the best drop of his changeup going right now. Um, you know, it's still kind of iffy because it's only it's only three inches more drop than his rising four seamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the best of his career. And in terms of uh, differential. Uh, off his fastball, it's now almost 10 miles an hour. So it's been a really bad cha- pitch in the, in the past, but um, you know now it's getting on the year. Uh, it's getting 18, 19 percent whiffs. It's the best it's ever done. And now all of a sudden, look at this: every pitch is above average by by uh, whiff rate. Well. That says something for for Danny Duffy. We are still dealing with a small sample. He's been picked up in a lot of leagues, so I, I don't even know that it, that it, it's worthwhile to you know. Oh, how, what leagues are you picking him up in? How are you approaching him? Those is it something that you take on in a trade, or are you selling him as fast as you can? What what are you doing with Danny Duffy now that if you've got him? Actually, I'm looking now. Maybe it's just my leagues because they're of a certain depth. But ESPN, he's still only 14% owned. They cater toward 10-teamers. I don't know what he's at at Yahoo. I can't imagine too much higher. They're more of a 12-team focus. So he still is available in a lot of mixed leagues. Are you picking up Danny Duffy right now in those formats? Let's see here. He's been starting since uh, 21st of May. He has eight 17, 23 strikeouts against no walks mm-hmm. since he's since he went into the rotation. No walks for for uh, guy who, for Danny Duffy is that's amazing substantial. Yeah, also given up five homers in his last three starts, but because of because Trade, of no walks, trading some of the walks exactly. Yeah. Ah oh, man, I don't want to be a. I don't want to be an old man. I don't want to be a closed door. I don't want to. I don't want to. But I just. I see too much there. I can't. I can't. I can't trade for him. Injuries. Never had more than 150 innings. Um, had surgery. Uh, has. A, I think bad mechanics. Um, you know. Has had bouts of homeritis. Bouts of bad command. I just. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I throw my hands up. I If I could pick him up off the waiver wire, I would. But because you're, but you're not trying to get him any other way. Yeah. I think that's fair. I a real asset. And I guess, you know, waiver wire, if someone threw him in in a deal. But I just don't think that, a, that people, like, if he's actually owned, I think people are like, look at his strikeout minus walk rate. Look at all this. I'm, that's the I'd thing. Like, people you know, that got him are, are excited. Uh, they, they, they see a reason to go out there and, and pick up. Danny Duffy, and, and they like what he's been doing here recently. The numbers look good, so I doubt they're, they're like you said, throwing him in. They're going to try to get something. If they've got enough pitching and they picked him up because he's just a good player, then they want something back in return. Understandably, you know, he is, he's pitching very well, so I, I totally get that. I just don't know that I'm willing to pay it on Danny Duffy. Well, let's make Eno feel bad. Day continues because I had him at 101, and that's obviously incorrect. So let's push him up. Let's play some. Get with this. Get with that. Uh, Nicholas Tropiano at 75 on my rank. I'm gonna go Duffy. It's like they couldn't be more different. I mean, I guess they both don't have great command, but uh, Tropiano's 
you know, like 91. Uh, yeah, power lefty versus... You know, soft right. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's got some good, interesting stuff. I mean, he whiffs people. But... That's the thing. I, I, I mean, yeah. I'm reluctant to just say finesse, but he does, because he does have some interesting stuff. Tropiano does, but it is a little bit finessed. All right, so Duffy, that's all right. So Duffy's moving up. Duffy's moving up. Uh, I have Josh Tomlin at seventy. I'm not a Tomlin guy um, no. because listen, if I'm going to take a home run issue on, as we mentioned, Duffy's been a little bit homer prone, not only in the past but so far this year. Nice six mile an hour fastball. Give me the power guy, thank you. <laughs> not the guy who is just lobbing. Like I don't know. I, I am noted. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize this. I have Danny Duffy and, and Josh Tomlin three spots apart. Be- Ooh, so the you have? barely, barely, um, I have, I have met 78 and, and 81 respectively. Uh, okay. But you might, you might move Duffy up a little yes. bit. Yes. Cause that okay. 78 was definitely one start ago, probably two or three starts ago, to be quite honest. All right. Um, what about what about uh, your boy? Let's go. Let's go a little bit veteran, since you said that you're you're being an old man. What about your boy Cece over Duffy? Um, I've actually got Cece ahead of Duffy, just two spots. But no, uh, I take Duffy. Okay, you take Duffy. Oh. I think somebody could, uh, you know, point three four home runs per nine for Cece after being near, you know, one half for mm-hmm. three years. That's just a too drastic. I think. Could, Some guys will figure out the the cutter thing he's doing. Could be wishful uh, thinking, but I'm hoping that the, the the Tigers mess with his numbers big time tonight uh, for CC. And again, this is before I do a, a Duffy update, which which is coming. That that initial run is when he Sabathia was was two spots ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what we're trying. I'm trying to update it now. I have Iwakuma at uh, 67. Okay, I have him at 71. Uh, so I think I. Here's the thing. Iwakuma just kind of meanders along and then goes on a run. And he's doing it this – like he's meandering along. He's like a 420, 410 ERA guy. But then he gets going, and it's a bunch of seven innings, one to two runs, and, and he goes. And he goes for you know yeah. 10 to 12 starts. So I still trust him a little bit more. But I'm going to get Duffy actually right behind him right now at the very least. So Duffy's up at 72 at the very least right now. Yeah. Yeah, so, all right, so we can push Duffy to, you know, high 60s, low 70s. It means that he's relevant in most leagues. Yes, and but ideally as a pickup, you don't necessarily want to pay a premium asset or... or, or I mean, like, how many people are running out to trade for Yasashi Iwakuma right now, so... Yeah, not, yeah, maybe in the deeper leagues. In the deeper leagues, though, you know, the Duffy owner thinks he has he has lightning. Go get Iwakuma instead, you know, he's going to cost less. Exactly, he'll cost you a hell of a lot less, and he and he could just be solid all summer. We, we we just see that from Iwakuma a lot. I don't see anything that suggests that he shouldn't be back under four with his ERA. Be interested to see where you put Dan Straley. This is one of your guys from a, from a while back that that you, you you stayed steady on. This is one of the ones I joined I joined your bandwagon. You know, notice what he did in Oakland. Always kind of had him on the radar, but then when started the pod with you a couple years back, really opened my eyes to what this guy was doing. Dan Straley, solid pitcher, big time tinkerer, if I recall correctly, you labeled him as such. Now with, uh, you know, we covered his 52 moves this year when he was just being bounced around. We mentioned with Cincinnati there could be an opportunity, and we've been pro, we've been pro Straley all year, and so far so good. 67 innings in, 3.34 ERA, 1.13 WHIP. About eight Ks per nine, a little bit of a homer issue. Honestly, his only really bad start right now, uh, unsurprisingly, has been in Coors. What do you got with your, with your boy Straley? What's up? Oh, man, Dan, Dan, turn the radio off. Just don't listen. Oh no, oh, <laughs> Dan, Dan, you're gonna be disappointed. Uh, I'm so happy. I think he's a major league pitcher. I'm so happy for him that he's a major league pitcher. Uh, I do not think he's a three three one one. You know, three three ERA, one one WHIP kind of guy. Sure. Um, and you know, even looking at Steamer, Steamer's the most um, uh, positive on Straley. Three nine six ERA, one two seven WHIP. That's on the back of an eight five eight uh, strikeout per nine, which you know Straley has never had. Um, so that's interesting. I don't really know why he needs to give up a homer and a half you know 
those bad homer not that the bad homer games he had in 2014, which might be supplying this uh, this projection. Um, he gave up a lot of homers in 2014. That was when his velocity was down and his shoulder was hurting. So I would say that's one thing that maybe the projections are missing. So I think why not just give him what he's been doing, which is one a homer per nine. You know, I think that's fair. So, but maybe not the best strikeout rate of his career. I don't, I mean, it's not like, yes, he did get his velocity up and his, and his shoulder's not hurting as much, but he's still a 90 mile an hour guy, you know? So, uh, I don't think that he's, and, and I like his secondary stuff. That's why you were talking about the tinkering. Um, you know, the reason I do grips is because he went through 14 changeup grips to find his changeup. Um, but you know, now I think he's got a decent changeup. He does tinker with it a little bit, but I think he's got a decent changeup, got a decent slider, decent command of these pitches. He's back up to 90. So I believe in him as a major league pitcher, and I believe that he can give up a homer for nine. I think he's more like a eight strikeouts per nine. So take steamer, subtract a half a strikeout per nine, subtract a, a quarter of a home run per nine, and you probably end up with like a three eight one two five guy. That's that's pretty good, I think. You know, it's uh. It's a deep league guy. Yeah. So, so if you have the opportunity to trade him uh, as anything other than uh, a deep league guy, I would do it. And I think it's a decent time to do it now because, you know, scanning. I mean, there's the 223 Babbitt. Depending on who you're trading with, it may not go anywhere. But, um, uh, yeah, and and depending on who you're trading with, maybe you in you're in a deeper league, you you keep the three eight guy because nobody's going to trade you anything for him. And you and you're happy about it. That that could be a play here too. But if you're in a less saber league, I would go uh, try and trade him pretty, right now. Okay, I think that that's fair with Dan Straley. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, Dan. Dan, you can turn your radio back up now. Although, <laughs> although if it was down, you you're not hearing me say that. He can't he can't hear us over the sobbing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he said I'm not a three three pitcher. <laughs> He's gonna dead. prove you prove him wrong. Prove him wrong, Australia. I got a few. I got a few shares of you. Prove him wrong. Um, you know that's gonna wrap up our week. I think we had a banner week here on, on the show. Uh, well, it was, I, yeah, I yeah, I felt pretty good about these shows we've done this week. We're 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 uh, a little bit more back and forth. Where both of us are bringing a lot to the table. Uh, we're having a little fun. I've laughed a lot. That's um, that's so. my that's my primary goal, by the way, is to make you laugh. <laughs> uh, the analysis secondary. If I can make Eno laugh, I'm winning. Uh, hopefully, able to make you laugh a whole bunch in New York when we get to hang out again. We'll see if we can get some stuff recorded. Maybe bring in some some random special guests. We'll we'll see how it all goes. But Eno, I'm gonna let you go. Get ready for the yard. I will talk to you later. Uh, we'll see what's going on with with the schedule next week. Just kind of a TBD. Definitely gonna be with with Jason on the weekend. But beyond that, I'll let y'all know. Follow me on Twitter at Spore. Follow. Well, that's you know. right. I'm flying on Wednesday. Yeah. So. so we might have to do something on Tuesday. We'll, we'll we'll you and I will talk offline and we will alert the folks on Twitter. That's right. All right, you know, I'll Thanks talk to you listening. later. Have a good weekend. Yeah.